It's a Nick, a Josh, Josh, and Tom episode. We're uh, hmm. we're joined by a special yeah. guest. Yeah, we got someone. We got someone coming on the pipeline. We blackmailed them. When we we did. did. Yeah. We. Uh... It took a lot of doxing. It took a tremendous effort by multiple federal and state agencies. <laughs> it took two fingers on a monkey's paw. It took a cheese Danish at Starbucks. Even. But one hundred and nine. I forgot how long we've been doing this. Too long. Too long. Uh, we're at 196. 196. After 196 episodes, we finally, finally broke through <laughs> and got a legitimate <laughs> sports journalist on here. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ben Hockman. Ben, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It was fun meeting you guys in, in St. Louis that day. And obviously, need to meet Nick here. And uh, let's do this. Um, Ben. First off, great book. Um, we uh, we like to do like specials on like the World Series team. Um, I cannot wait to write about the 2011 Cardinals like eight yeah, years man. from now because I'm, I'm going on a year with 1982. Yeah, we're doing 82, <laughs> then 06, and I think 11 was maybe our third one. We haven't really discussed what we're going after. 06. Well, you could do like four months on Mike Ramsey's hair and mustache alone. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ramsey, super utility guy on that one. And like, um, man, so I'm in August. I'm coming up on the Glenn Brummer stolen, uh, stealing home to walk off the Giants. And uh, so I can't wait to get to that one on it. I uh, this is make it sad right away. But when when Mike Shannon died, uh, I guess it was I can't remember what month it was, but it was last year, 2023. Um, I was like, how should I write about this? What, what you know what? And I was like, you know, let, let me interview someone who was from one of his famous calls. And I was like, who better than Glenn Brummer? Because he's from the St. Louis area. He's over in Illinois. And, uh, you know, he's just kind of like one of those lottery ticket winners, like a local guy that just happened to have this like elite talent. And he gets to actually play for the Cardinals, uh, similar to Mike Shannon. So I interviewed Brummer and sure enough, he was driving on the interstate uh, the way so many people were listening to KMOX that very day when Mike Shannon goes, and Brummer's stealing home. He is safe. That Glenn Brummer is a lunatic because I, earlier I, that year he had like two steals a third, <laughs> which is incredible. Like, so he would commute to the stadium from his home because he didn't expect to stay up in the ML, in the majors in the show for too long. Oh my gosh. Wow. Oh, He's also got an incredible story. Aside from the fact that like, you know, I'm going to editorialize here, but I know this dude's putting back a 30 rack uh, back in his day. <laughs> he blew out both his knees in a season. Oh had to have gosh. his both knees like uh, reconstructed. And then he had to fight his way back to be like a fourth string catcher because Whitey Herzog, genius that he is, but also um, genius that he is, carried four catchers at one point on that team. Which we've that's never been a point of controversy for Cardinal <laughs> fans ever carrying more than two catchers on a team. Yeah, not so, at all. Andrew never Kisner, once. I mean, was basically just you know. I think Andrew Kisner counted for three catchers. He's yeah, I mean, he's got that leadership. He's Look, got the that. world champions wanted him. They did. He got they his did. he got his bag. I'm very happy for him. Yeah. So. Well, half of us are happy for him. You know. We don't. <laughs> Ben, let's uh, let's uh, let's discuss let's discuss about you a little bit. So, like, a lot of times uh, when we do these interviews, um, they turn into I would say more of like kind of a, a feature story about who we're who we're talking about. 
and like um uh if i'm being honest my interactions you know uh, my first interaction with you was uh not about your writing i know that sounds bad it was about you uh sticking up for uh the queer community lgbtq people and trans sure. people yeah. and we've always like had a soft spot uh because not a lot of like journalists and reporters i feel like um uh, i would say like in this area um uh do that sort of thing like national sure. i got i think guys with like national platforms will tend to do it but like you've seen like with how like um the new york times acquisition with the athletic uh being very discouraging of mixing politics with sports and you know what you use your platform yeah for. i mean outside of a reporter during pride month posting a, yeah you know rainbow flag on or an occasional retweet yeah. like you had a your pin ultimate uh, uh article that you wrote before you left the denver post to come to the post dispatch was essentially don't be mean to gay people and something that stuck out to me that you mentioned in that is uh that you know you have this platform and if you feel like you don't use it anyway people stop talking about it so yeah. like what's what's the motivation for that why do you why is this why is this important for you with your platform he who writes for the post dispatch you know i just i feel like sports is sports is our world sports is my world and it's so far behind I'm, I'm smiling. I would say so far behind the real world, but then you look at, you know, the presidency from 2016 to 2020 and what uh, it, uh, I guess, incited out of people in regards to hatred towards the, towards many communities, including the LGBTQ plus community. But I've, I've just always felt like, like sports should be the, the avenue uh, that brings people together. And I always like, I was, I was like, you know what, what if Tom Brady was gay? What if, what if Michael Jordan was bi? What if, yeah. what if one of these super, because like, I mean, the, the odds or the, the maths, you know, the data or what have you says that there are plenty of gay people uh, in the United States of America. And in any, you would have to think that some athletes are, but of course, very few, if any, in the major sports are out. And we, we know the reasons it's such a toxic culture. Um, you know, it's looked at, I mean, we could do this all day, but, you know, you, you hang out in a locker room and they're talking down and gay becomes like a, a, a bad thing or like almost like an insult. Mm -hmm. And 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 I'm like, why can't we just change it? And I always wished like the great like, Carl Nassib, amazing. Right. Michael Sam, amazing. Jason Collins, amazing. But like, what if it was Michael Jordan? What if it was the guy that everyone idolized and had a poster of and, you know, the whole jersey of? And then the next day they got what if it was Mahomes? Mahomes is playing tonight. You know what? What if what if he he wins a game, goes to the NFC Championship game, AFC, excuse me, and then announces that he's bisexual? Like, yeah, like a lot of people wearing Mahomes jerseys would have to do a lot of, you know, soul searching and looking in the mirror, like who am I? Because I adore Mahomes, but I have these preconceived notions about that community. Well, if Mahomes is part of that community, why can I? Why should I be such a jerk about it? And one of my favorite pieces I ever did was for the Post Dispatch about. So my whole point was like again to to find uh, a you know a, a stud athlete a star athlete who oh by the way was a gay man and I found uh, I wrote a story about Jake Bain the John Burroughs High School running back who ran for two hundred plus yards in the state championship game star athlete beloved on his campus and he had a boyfriend and he he was open about it and we talked about it and like 
the whole point of the story was like, here's the coolest guy in school. Here's the guy that we all looked up to. And, uh, and he's got a boyfriend. If he can have a boyfriend, that's pretty darn normal, you know? So you that, that, that was some... normal for you. It's normal. Thanks, man. And, um, <laughs> so that's the whole, the whole point was just to kind of try to normalize things. And yeah, I mean, maybe I'm pie in the sky. Maybe I'm like, Oh my gosh, in 3024, are we still going to be, you know, trying to make this happen because our, our world seems to be going backwards. But like you mentioned earlier, that all I can, if I can do something to help, that'd be, that'd be great. Now, of course, as you made reference to now, we're also, I'm also writing about, about trans athletes. And um, I wrote a, a letter literally to governor Parson of Missouri in the post-dispatch saying, have compassion for trans yeah. athletes, trans Missourians. So, like, I've done research on, like, how many, like, trans athletes you have, and, like, Misha reports on it, and I believe from, like, 2012 to now, there's only been, like, eight trans athletes ever in right. the state of Missouri, right. and, like, you know, uh, my, <laughs> this is, uh, this is I guess, kind of funny, so I get banned on Twitter for just being, uh, being nasty to my friends and being, yeah, just being... You What'd you do last time, Tom? I told oh you to unalive your. I was being a joker about it, but it was apparently taboo <laughs> in Elon Musk dystopia. Uh, and I remember my first interaction with it is um, Mark Reardon, who is like a conservative, I guess, shock jock, was like trying to start start nonsense with you, trying to, uh, I, I guess, like get like generate a reaction because this was like this kind of died down a little bit but like there was like at this height from like the past like year year and a half of like you know gender neutral bathrooms you know trans kids playing sports trans athletes you had like you know, like leah thomas for example and that became like something blown completely out of proportion yeah. because it's easy to just scare and gin up fear over something that totally doesn't affect you whatsoever and i remember that like being my first like interaction the thing that sucked about it is that because i was banned i was tweeting from the P page podcast and i was just arguing with transphobes underneath ben's tweet <laughs> i'm like well he'll probably never come on at that point he's like well you know i agree with him they're just real they sound really annoying that's what it was <laughs> but like it's you know you you've written in uh, for you started off with what the Times Picune in New yep. Orleans, mm -hmm. the Denver Post, Colorado, and now you're back to Post Dispatch. And like when you think about like taking a stance like that with your with your platform, you know, like you're going to ruffle quite a lot of feathers on it. Is yeah. does that get to it, you? Does would, that bug yeah. you? Oh, what was the question? I'm sorry about bugging. Well, does me? that you know does it get under your skin a little bit? Especially well, like when the audience you know you're gearing with are definitely going to be like, I think you told us like, uh, here's an example. I think you told us at the coffee shop, you wrote like something in solidarity for like, you know, the people affected in the Ferguson riots, you know, I think right in like, in just like, that was one of your first articles <laughs> and immediately, immediately the, uh, you're bombarded with like, they're going to kill me. <laughs> oh, and, and the, um, and the, the, the 2015 St. Louis Rams, final season had a game against the Washington then Redskins. Yeah. So, and I just gotten hired and like, honestly, like to this day, I, I mean, I know it's, I just don't understand why so people, so many people are so passionate 
and against changing these nicknames. Obviously, it's connected to political thoughts. It's connected to to bigger things that ruffle their feathers. But I'm like, good golly, if 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 Redskins is considered a mean and derogatory term to even a few people, why have a whole team and fan base named after that? Just change it to anything else. And mm-hmm. I wrote it, and and they were, you know, I. Yeah, I ruffled the feathers of thousands of readers. And so yeah, I try not to I try to just pick my spots and 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 just do this a few times a year. But when I feel like like a like that was like a clear opportunity to do it. The Rams were playing that team. So yeah. I wrote the column. Well, and then this there was a bill going through the Missouri legislature. And I was like, here's my chance to write a letter to the governor. And I and I and I have have gotten a no a man who's a father of, of a trans kid. I'm like, sit down with this with his father, talk to him face to face, like human beings and with dignity and hear his story. And I think maybe just maybe you'll, you governor Parson will at least consider changing your mindset. Um, you know, maybe again, that might be pie in the sky, but I wanted to at least use my voice to, to do that in the newspaper. Yeah. yeah. It's uh interesting. You bring up like picking your spots. Cause you know, when I, uh, trying to write for the southeast missouri and they were not hearing me out on uh eating landlords and guillotine the rich so <laughs> you're definitely very you're definitely right it's good to pick your spots on that you have like you have i think like pretty like like i've you know i've been reading sports uh you know articles like my whole life okay you know and what i see like what you're writing is like a tremendous like uh um tremendous humanity in it um I think a lot of that from reading up on you, I think stems from, you know, your upbringing and like what, uh, you know, what has transpired through your whole career. Um, sure. You wrote your first book was fourth in new Orleans, I think. Yeah. 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 About purchased Tulane university by, post, yeah, uh, post Katrina. I was going to say that book was purchased by both my mother and my aunt. I, the, I'm, the I'm telling you now, I'm telling you now, one of a uh, you know one of the things like I have like an odd historical obsession with is Hurricane Katrina. I oh have, like, wow! Doug, really? Yeah, yeah, like I have Tulane University's professor, like Doug Brinkley. I have his book, The Great yeah, Deluge. Yeah, yeah Doug's dude. great. When the yeah. Levees Broke, Great Spite League documentary on it. But you like covered that. You wrote this feature story called uh, um, about a uh, septuagenarian softball players, so elderly softball players. And the opening line uh, absolutely floored me. It's a killer line which okay. is the player proudly put on his uniform and went to chemotherapy, yeah, you know? Yeah. And like, I feel like, you know, you living through like Katrina um, and covering like those athletes out of Tulane are affected by it. Like you have, I think like in my perspective of it, you really champion people uh, staring down the face of tragedy. It feels like, and, yeah, and the resolve I mean, against so you had like another one, I think totally. nine inning project, the letters, one that you wrote yeah. for the post as well. I found that one on it. Yeah, Luckily, no, the post the I didn't have to pay him. I just had to subscribe. So I'm gonna get <laughs> yeah. some newsletters. But I found Ben's old archive. Times PQ, not much. I can Nola. Nola can do can, can track on it. But got the Denver Post stuff. <laughs> there you go. As I'm, well. I'm I'm I I appreciate it. I appreciate you uh, doing the research. Uh, however, backdoor way you're able mm-hmm. to to do it. But and and yeah, I mean like. I, I mean, I'm a columnist, like, of course, like the majority of my things are going to be like 
tomorrow's column about Lance Lynn and how I don't think he's going to be good, you know, or <laughs> that's one of my, and, yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, most of my stuff is that that's, that's why they hired me, but they, they do give me some flexibility, of course. And I feel like sports storytelling is so powerful for so many reasons. Uh, I mean, you think about just your favorite movies, how many, how many people are, are connected to a sports movie that, you know, tugs on the heartstrings, regardless of how cheesy the movie might be. In, in other words, Hoosiers, you know, we love these, these <laughs> movies because they connect us to our families, to wh whatever it is. And so I, I like to tell these stories that tug on heartstrings that make people think and, and maybe just maybe like alter compassion in a positive mm -hmm. way in our society, even if it's just a small iota. Another one of like your pieces, I think, that is motivated by that is the book you just finished, 2011, 11 and 11, story of Tony La Russa, David Freeze. And you cover extensively David Freeze in that one. Freeze, as we know, a very flawed character on it, yeah. you know, and I know you had a I know what your own 2011 is, yeah. you know, punctuated by incredible triumph and incredible tragedy, yeah. you know, like. When it comes to when it comes to capturing firsthand, or better yet, when it comes to capturing how people tell that story to you, okay, you know, what what is it about that that you pull from your own experience on it to relay that to just regular dumb dumb a holes like us, or better yet, like what advice can you offer others that have gone through that tragedy with that resolve? Is that like something that you focus on when you write? When you write about, you know, elderly softball teams, you know, when you're pulling sure. from, you know, the 11 Cardinals. Well, I mean, I think I think um, life is as simple as living it. So you want people to be proud of you mm -hmm. and people to respect you. And whether that's people in your life, most importantly, my wife and kids or people looking down on you. Um, I mean, th those you, you just want to you you want to. I guess they put on a good show, but you want to, yeah. you want to, you want to do right and, and make it. So someone's like, that's my guy. Yeah. And it's like an obligation, right? You, yeah. You know, but it's hard yeah. sometimes. It's, I mean, Dude, it's, it's totally, it's well, hard. And, and, you know, yeah. especially like, I'm sure to plenty of people who read, you know, the dispatch and, you know, see some of your takes on, you know, culture and then, and, you know, regarding sports and, you know, to them, a lot of it's obviously, as we kind of discussed, it's maybe contrary to what they normally think on an issue. So right. to kind of introduce them to like a new, um, you know, perspective that isn't some like, you know, some weird what they would be like, oh, this is some weird woke nonsense they're spewing. You know, try to like go into it good faith and explain that. I, you know, totally, that's, yeah. that's a lot to live up to to, you know, not seem like the antithesis of what they want. You know, some crazy, you know, left wing guy who's trying to do you know whatever it is like you have right. to go into it we should we should ask that question bravo asked whenever so we're picking up the book from ben is like so what's uh what's ben's uh, views on trans rights and socialism like i know he's really good on one, this one. <laughs> <laughs> right. right like uh and, but you know to kind of point oh go ahead, oh, go ahead. no no go ahead simply gonna say like yeah like you want to humanize things as much as possible when i when i tell these stories I want people to be able to relate to the people in the story, whether it's if it's me writing about something personal or if it's writing about a 70 
plus-year-old softball player who loves softball and it gets him through the day so much that he wears his uniform to chemotherapy um whatever it is like i want the reader to feel the connection to this person i'm writing about Mm -hmm. and and then when it comes also to writing about like like maybe this maybe people think this about me but i'm not like just sitting in front of cnn you know from 501 (laughs) p.m until midnight you know as soon as i punch out like just watching and and consuming like like i'm not that political if you will there's just some things i think are just like simply right or wrong and it's like golly like lgbtq plus people are people they're humans they should be able to live their lives and be respected by all of us um you you'd have to think that in like i said earlier in 3024 people will look back at 2024 and be like those idiots like why were they not compassionate why were they not welcoming and you know there's a hundred reasons why and but that the other thing is like okay so if i'm going to write a column about this it's like i know right away someone half my readership heck maybe more than half my readership is going to see the headline and not even want to read the first sentence, let alone the second sentence, let alone 25. We call it, we go by inches, 25 inches of sentences. It's the opposite so, of clickbait. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's like, it's like, so I do think about that. I'm like, how can I get, you know, a, a Republican person who hates trans people to at least read my column? And the reality is like, it's hard, you know, to come up with the best way to write that. And, and, and I don't know how many have read it, you know, as you know, cause it's easy to, if you see something you're against, you're not gonna be like, Oh, I'd like to consume that. Maybe it'll take my perspective to a different mm-hmm. level. No, you're like, I'm not reading that CRAP. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not d- dealing with it. So yeah, I, I do what I can. I try my hardest, but I do think about the power of words and the power of sports and how hopefully that can change society someday. And uh, a couple of quick hitters here, and then we're gonna then we actually do the baseball, and then we're gonna grill you on that Hall of Fame ballot, man. <laughs> yeah, let's right. talk. Yeah. All right. So oh, I haven't seen it yet. I'm ready. <laughs> we you kind of strike <laughs> me as like a Renaissance man here, uh, Ben Hockman. Um, first off. What is the franchise? I read that in their interview on the STL mag. You wrote a musical. Well, all right. So this leads to a neat little situation. So at Clayton Clayton high school, my alma mater, go Greyhounds, they have a student run musical. And every year a student, multiple students write scripts and they turn them in and the student director chooses the best one or the one they like the most. Rob Aronson was a director and he chose my script, the franchise, which was about baseball and a a power hungry owner who kind of mirrored the rise of, of Hitler. Um, And and there's some political, there is some politicalness in that. Just a great public speaker for an Just a great, yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Really good public speaker. He he brainwashes (laughs) through propaganda. Yeah. How many, how long are the games? Nine innings. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Touche, touche. Um, But, um, and then sure enough, they match you up with uh, someone to write the music. 
and friggin' Ryan McAdams from our high school ends up going to Juilliard. So I get this like music genius guy to write the music for the franchise. And it was just a fun thing we did. And, you know, it was pro produced and performed at our high school. It was one of the neatest accomplishments of my life. And that was um, 25 years ago. And so this past year, the St. Louis Shakespeare Festival they're the guy, they're the folks that do Shakespeare in the Park, which is actual Shakespeare good plays, and then they take someone as you're going to find out, like my play, and produce it. They ask someone in the community to write a play about St. Louis, and they intertwine a Shakespearean theme. And the director was like, "I want to do it about soccer this year. This is such an important year for soccer history in St. Louis. Of course, there's this beautiful culture. So many star players, men and women have come from the St. Louis area. But what sports guy do I know that could write a play? And he's saying this at like a cocktail party. And Ellie from my high school was like, I know the perfect guy. The post-dispatch <laughs> dude at my high school wrote the franchise 25 years ago. And he's like, who, what? And like, and they end up connecting with me. And I wrote my second play called The The Games Afoot. And it was based off of Shakespeare, <laughs> Shakespearean's tale. And so I like to say every 25 years, every quarter century, I write a play and it's produced. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, 25 years from now, who knows what's going to come off these. The legends too. out there, the Kenny Rosenthal's, the Dick Young's. I didn't see them writing any musicals. Nope. Nope. -uh. nope. Ben Hockman. <laughs> he's got two under his belt. He's got two. You so when reading up on you, you're dubbed like this unofficial ambassador for NOLA. You're like um like the life of party lead Mizzou chance. I gotta ask, and you even admitted this to us, this to me and Josh, Ben. They even dabbled in stand-up. I kind of got to wonder, like, <laughs> you got a creative edge to you, it feels like. Like, what what would what what if this journalism thing didn't work out? What would you be doing instead, man? Oh God. I mean, I I um well to your point, I always like challenging myself to do something besides sport, just my job. And obviously I take my job very seriously and I work my butt off the whole thing. But, you know, I always like to have different projects going. And, and yeah, when I was in Denver, I, I dabbled with stand-up comedy. Um, I like to say I was the 16th funniest Jew in Colorado. Um, <laughs> and that, and that, you know, Sh Sean Cohen wasn't doing so well. And I, I hoped he wouldn't leave us, but if he did, guess who cracks the top 15? And, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just love the challenge of of comedy and and um so yeah, I mean maybe to answer your question, I mean the the true answer is like I would probably be a school teacher. Every other person in my family is a school teacher in some regard and I'm the black sheep. Um but I've I've always just loved comedy so much as a at a younger age I was like I want to write for Saturday Night Live. But I was like 25 years old and I was like covering the NBA. I had this like crazy amazing gig at a very young age where i'm traveling the country going to nba games i'm like like stuff's all right like if i was to try to go do saturday night live and i'm not saying i could even get it but that means i would have to quit this move to new york move into like a you know a utility closet start doing stand up you know whatever it is you know i mean it would have ben been hockman live at the comedy cellar 
Yeah, right. Exactly. What's the deal with all these burrows? <laughs> no, sorry, David Tell. David, David Tell. Tell. David Tell. David sorry, Tell. sorry. David Tell. The, the second funniest Jew yeah. in Colorado. Right. So uh, I and so I, I think about it a lot. And now my my wife and I are are so into the comedy and the the, the thoughts of Mike Birbiglia. I don't know if you, you all like him or not, but I mean, he started out, you know, stand up, you know, telling your, your your 15 jokes or whatever it is. But now for those listening that don't know about him, like he tells these like almost like one act plays where he does like an hour and a half on stage. And he tells one of them was just all about how he became a dad and how he had determined that no human had less uh should no human should not be a dad more than him and he mm-hmm. had seven reasons he started with <laughs> 1a 1b 1c 1d you know and then he gets to number two and and it but it was obviously now he's a in this, as you figure out he's he becomes a father and it's just this beautiful stuff and then he does another one about about fear of death and it's it, it's comedy of course but it's like a one-act show and like that's the kind of stuff i love i love telling stories and i'm like man that's the kind of thing i kind of wish i had done or who knows maybe maybe it's something i could i could i could look into as well in the future hell yeah so that's uh the old man in the pool right is the one about death <laughs> i just watched that over break uh, yeah yeah what did you think you know i've i've loved his stuff oh, for a long time weirdly he reminds me of like an ex-boyfriend of my sister's um okay. so like i always see like bob linebarger uh, is that guy's <laughs> name i see i i see bob in in him a lot but i really loved him in uh the movie he did uh don't think twice that improv movie have you seen that i Uh, have and my wife and i when we first started dating if i'm getting the math right uh we we saw the movie and uh don't think twice baby she's over there in the kitchen smiling and waving um yeah yeah we saw that movie and and it just it really was like relatable and inspiring also heartbreaking at times and that's a special movie in in, in our relationship nice there you go man I'll ben? move on into that we'll make a thruple it'll be a whole thing a good yeah. thruple this yeah. uh <laughs> this concludes the inter and inter- interrogation of uh of ben's life yeah. so uh we're gonna move on baseball another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's the cat's name? Biscuit. I hate this cat. So Josh's Biscuit in the basket. Biscuit in the basket. She's sweet. Josh is just. Josh is just... He's he's just uncultured with good animals. <laughs> so Nick, oh, are man, you in the, the no same swearing city? rule is really getting to? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we all live in the Cape Girardeau, Jackson area. Sure. So. Yeah. For now. Yeah. You liberal hub of southeast Missouri. They're going to move north and the I'm going to be moving west. So there was a guy in my dorm named Mark Sander from Jackson, Missouri. And I'm 43 years old. Dude, yeah. And like, I'll never forget, like, he was 5'10, maybe 
we were playing like three on three and he wasn't good at basketball. Let's not get carried away here, but he was, he was like Jackson's Dennis Rodman. He would get <laughs> every rebound. The best. Like, <laughs> it was, it was absurd. Like he would be jump, he'd get on my shoulders and jump off my shoulders, get the rebound. I'm like, this guy is a maniac, a menace. Jackson Allum. I think about it to this day. I bet he's got like piercings and whatnot. Right. <laughs> he's going, he was he's going hanging out with Alexa. Kim Jong Un. <laughs> Jackson <laughs> alumnus goes to North Korea. I'm just I'm just imagining God. a white guy with like a, like a rainbow fro like like Rodman had for a while when he was yeah, yeah yeah yeah. I'm just imagining he was in that movie like, Simon Says with Dane Cook. That is that's a brain parasite full right there, man. That is not healthy, man. <laughs> Ben, we're going to talk. We're going to do some baseball stuff. We have questions. We have fans to all those who say we don't. We do. We didn't make these up. All right. So uh, probably the most important question that has dominated uh, our social media is uh, what was your reaction when John Mosaic told you to jump out of your car? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah. um, That was such a flabbergasting day where. They it was announced... after the Schilt firing, right? Because yeah. it prompted because it was about like philosophy. Schilt had one way, Mo had a different one. And you were just yeah. asking, like, what do you do about that? Well, yeah, I mean, my I mean, so it was we're wow. all still taking in the reality of what's happening, how uh, a a a very talented manager had just been who had been manager of the year recently had, had been it was just fired abruptly. And um we're like Still, try- I'm still trying to figure out in my head what happened and how they let it happen. And I just remember her, what you're asking about, like basically saying to Mosella, like, because we didn't know the reasons. And the whole, I'm like, I was basically saying like, Mo, if you're the boss and you have a philosophy, why can't you just make the person that's your employee follow your philosophy? You're the boss. You know, I think about like my own boss. If he said, and, you know, if he said, Benjamin, I need you to to write strictly about the blues. Like, all right, I'm going to even yeah. though I want to write about the Cardinals, I'm going to write about the blues to keep my awesome job. So why couldn't you, and know, you weren't show- rude with the question, by the way, you like scratched yeah. your head. You're like, I'm just trying to like not trying to not trying to make someone have the worst day of their job. Yeah, not, trying, not trying to be funny. Not trying to get a laugh. Not trying to get a laugh. <laughs> right. So I just said something like, yeah, like, like, why couldn't you just make it so your employee followed your philosophy as the boss. And he, and he goes, well, I could tell you to jump out of your car. Right. Now. I was in a car, jump out of your car right now, but I'm, you know, whatever, whatever he said. And, and, you know, it definitely was. It sounds and, like to yeah. appeal to our German audience, John Moselec's a real beta who can't get a real alpha like Mike Schilt. <laughs> you know, I'm just, you know, that's a, that's a weird response by Moselec. Like, were you trying to have like were you trying to goad Mike Schilt to killing himself? Like, no, why on. was that the example? Ben you... jumps out of his car <laughs> while he's rolling on the gravel car, careens into like an Arby's, explodes. Well, he's as like, a I did it, guy, Mo. Now tell me why I couldn't get him play ball. <laughs> I would have done it if I if I had thought of it. I would have I would have you know held the camera, opened the door because the car was stopped, <laughs> falling out. Like, yeah, <laughs> there's a busy intersection of like kids crossing going to school. You're moved, Mo. Oh. <laughs> yeah, right. You're moved now, buddy. <laughs> I should have challenged you any day, Mosela. 
<laughs> it's like the okay. worst deviation from a question ever, by the way. Like, <laughs> what a no. I I always I always <laughs> say like um if I got a time machine, I would you know first go back and make sure you know the aforementioned Hitler was was dead mm-hmm. and killed before the Holocaust, and then I would go to the St. Louis Gallery of Mall in 1990 and buy everything from the sporting goods stores called Superstars. They had such cool stuff, I remember, in my childhood. And I guess the third thing I would do would be show up in that car and tell 2021 Benjamin to try the uh, the fallout of the car bit. No, actually, it should be... It's actually 9-11. Yeah. 9-11. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's the order. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but then fifth... Yeah. It's a close, I'm not gonna lie, close second between a uh, car and killing Hitler and framing and framing framing someone for Hitler's murder. Like I you know, I would I would add this addendum, all right. We're punching up, okay? Or you know, we're you know, we're at we're adding on here. Um you would tell yourself to be near Mo's office, and after he asks that, your screen goes dark and there's a car through his oh office. <laughs> Oh, that's all have you ha- there was like another question that garnered a response out of them and i've only heard rumors who asked it so this is my chance to confirm it it was um just it was around toward the end of the year or maybe it was uh the wrap-up for like oh yeah this season sucked we're this is what's going to happen and someone asked them something that got a snide remark and they said it was ben frederickson but was that you did ben oh, I mean- did ben frederickson did, is mo like that a lot <laughs> Well, I mean, I mean, to his credit, he has to answer a lot of questions all the time about things he's he has already Nick made. It. Trying to get people to kill him, as we all know. <laughs> I mean, he's he, he's he to his credit, I mean, he's he's made he's already made the decision, and he went whatever the decision was, and he went through so much analysis, and he has so many smart people working with him, and now he's got to put up with fifteen questions from us about why the decision might not have been good. But I mean, so he said, you know, dry humor, wry wit things to, to all of us at some point. Um, I just, I remember maybe what you're talking about is I, I said something about how like, yes, the Cardinals are known for being a successful franchise. You can't deny the 11 championships and you can't deny the winning record in the regular season. But since 2014, since that season ended, the Cardinals have won one postseason series, and that's not a lot. And mm-hmm. he he basically is like, "Well, that's your narrative, you know." It's a narrative. That's the fact. And I guess his point was like, every year we're gonna. And this was actually before 2023. He's like, every year we're gonna feel the quality team, and we're gonna likely make the playoffs because we're a quality team, and mm-hmm. then we'll roll the dice and see what happens in the playoffs. But from my perspective, is like there is a huge difference between the 2011 through 2014 Cardinals that made the NLCS every year mm-hmm. and the World Series twice, and the 2015 until present day Cardinals that make it in the playoffs or don't make it in the playoffs, and yeah. when they do make it in the playoffs, they lose in the first round. Well, under like Walt Jockety's reign up until his, his him getting canned, the Cardinals carried a top five, top four like payroll, and while like. You know, Jockley's uh, philosophy, and you know, he had the schism between him, Mo, and Jeffrey Lunau, and the DeWitts as well. Um, you know, Jockley 
you know, being very aggressive in free agents and trades, obviously, you know, the team wanted to be more of like a homegrown talent on it. I mean, you know, we're what anywhere between 17th and 10th, uh, under, yeah. under, under Mosaic, which is like, fine. You can feel like a quality team on a budget, you know, the, the Rays do it. The Astros do it. They're probably the best example of that one. Yeah. But like, right. you know, it, how about this one in terms of this question? Okay. You know, because, we're, you know, we're talking about like payroll going up. We we know that we're getting paid with the RSNs. Uh, uh, we're getting RSN money this year. We're probably mm-hmm. going to make our own network or merge something with either Amazon or MLB, you know. And I honestly wasn't too worried about like the money missing with that. But like, it seems like we're coming in underneath like opening day payroll. And like with the news of that breaking out and the hiring of like Heim Bloom, Daniel Descalzo, you know, in your opinion on this, has the philosophy changed within the organization? And to the first part about money on air, now that we know that they're going to get paid, um, are they, do you expect them to make a move? Should they make a move? Should they do yeah. trade free agent? What's your thought on that? Well, I, I think they, they will bring in some reliever who will make a couple million dollars, not just a John King. Actually, I don't know what John King makes. Maybe he makes a couple. But they will bring in another reliever. I I, I believe that. I, or I have to believe that, that they mm-hmm. will do that. And, um, you know, my mentor is, is Bernie – or my, my I say mentor, maybe more my, my idol is yep. Bernie Mick, Micklass. The um the sports writer who who now writes uh for Scoops Danny Mac's website and and he made a good point the other day about um money and spending. He's like it's not simply about the quant or the amount of money spent. It's what is the money being spent on? Mm. And of course they've not spent money on certain guys because they thought well maybe this guy's not going to live up to the money. And, you know, Blake Snell's still sitting out there and like, yeah, Blake Snell's better than Lance Lynn, but is he X amount of dollars worth it better than Lance Lynn? And I, you know, I, I kind of, I, I hate, I, my job is to come up with, with, with opinions, but sometimes I can see both sides of it. And, and I guess I just look at it like this, like with the Cardinals have not having won the world series since 2011 and not going to the world series in 2013, you know, we had the 10 year anniversary of that team last year. Now we're past <laughs> that. It's, it's like, do you have the fire of someone who's never won a championship before? Yeah. And I think, and I think that's, but I, I think the team this year is going to be all right. But like, what does that, but you know who else is saying that the me of, 14 other cities yeah well i mean you wanted us to spend on nolan and yamamoto like you wanted them to i think i think that yeah. you even used the term yeah you got to overspend here you definitely you know, did this, now, now this i didn't situation know situation you're in you got to spend up 100 percent. yeah now i didn't know yamamoto was gonna go for what he went for when i when i wrote that i, I will yeah, said like it. 20 mil i'm like oh with the hind with the power of hindsight now right yeah he commanded um, so much yeah, I mean it's it's incredible, but yeah, I would have. No, but I mean, again, I just wanted two studs, and they got one. They got Sonny Gray. So, I mean, if Garrett Cole didn't exist, Kyle he would want to Cy Young. And, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I I even wrote it for tomorrow's newspaper. I mean, they've got 
an, a, a rotation with one exclamation point and four question marks. Yeah. And it's, and, and, well, it's I checked not... that out. It's on a, it's online. If you're, oh my gosh, you should all subscribe to the post dispatch like I did. So please do. Only I do. Yeah. Um, you brought up what, what I, what I read on it's something that I've kind of brought up. I think like, I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, what ifs on this one. Um, if our defense is better than last year, I think it more than makes up for like Gibson and Lynn. But like, I'm very concerned with the quality of like innings we get out because we talk about these are dogs. Our starting rotation looks like a Jan six, like, like photo shoot here. Okay. Come on. They are dogs. They are <laughs> Budweiser drinking dogs, man. Yeah. All right. They, uh, uh, sorry, it wouldn't be drinking Bud products. Uh, they'd be drinking Freedom beer. Um, I'm, I, I got to ask you this one on it because, like, Lynn, like, I was okay with a Lynn or Gibson, but not both. I mean, I think they'll be better than what we got out of, like, Flaherty for those first two months. And, uh, that's certainly Wayno. Certainly Wayno, definitely. Matt, Stephen Matz, um, the first two months. First two months with Matz. But, like, what, what's, you know, what's your confidence level with like Lynn bouncing back from really a truly atrocious year? I mean, he turned around yeah. in LA, but 44 dongs. I mean, I know St. Louis is a big park, but right? 44 taters can't get gobbled up by the defense. Yeah. And, you know, I did obviously like, like I try to do with every column, I do a lot of research, reading articles, and of course, as many stats as I can. And, and maybe you guys know this or, and, and surely some of your listeners are baseball savvy. I mean, I mean, the the reality is two things. One is Lynn's not going to allow 44 home runs next year. I mean, it's just not going to happen. He's going to allow fewer, but the other thing is like his 2022 season, his, his ERA plus was right around average as well. So yeah, maybe the home runs go down or whatever, but he's still the past two years been an average major league pitcher at best, mm-hmm. and he's only a year older. So then it comes down to like, all right, if he gives you a 100 ERA plus in 2024, are you okay with that because he's the fifth starter? Well, two things. One, like we're talking about, the St. Louis Cardinals need to maximize every roster role. They need to, they're trying to win the dang, they should be trying to win the dang World Series and not just sneak in as a wild card team, what have you. And the other thing is, besides Sonny Gray, how close are these other guys to being average pitchers? And if you've got four guys that are performing at number four, number five level, you're probably not even going to make the aforementioned playoffs. Nick is going to opening day in LA. Nice. He is so excited to see Yamamoto square off against <sighs> Steven Matz. The funniest thing I think I did though, was I, t- this is before Otani and Yamamoto both signed with the Dodgers. And I tweeted out, I'll be so happy to see, Yamamoto mow down 17 Cardinals and Otani go four for four with two home runs and a double off Miles Michaelis on March 28th. And now that I've spoke that into existence, I'm so ready for opening day. But Nick, no, forgetting, I'm the Oracle and I had the dream that Yamamoto got lit up by the card yeah all that's but gonna be true it's just with the miles michaels thing it's just gonna be like sunny Mar- march no it's just gonna be march 30th 
right and, and maybe and not yamamoto but you know yeah. insert stuff glass pitch, now, glass now yeah. or yeah. miller or whomever yeah michael yeah. gets his no hitter punches it gives otani a golden sombrero <laughs> this is the year yeah. of the lizard michael is 200 with 280 no. k's <laughs> i was at the um uh, i was at the game in st louis last year where otani pitched oh cool and struck out like what was it like 14? 13 guys in like five and Thir- two yeah thirds. yeah and um First team in that like... was the most devastating game I've ever seen live. <laughs> we lost that one, right, Nick? We did. Yeah, and we were booing. That was, was the, the loudest first... I've heard a stadium boo ever. <laughs> this is, I think, I kind of like we're like, yeah, this season's over. Is like yeah. this is the first it was time. April. It was it a was reverse April. It was it was a reverse tungsten Armo Doyle, which is like Shohei Otani gives up four earned runs the first time in I think like thirty starts he's done that as the Angels beat the Cardinals. I was like, yeah. what? Like this ain't this ain't our year. Pack it in, folks. Let's. I digress. We can you know, let's get Wayno his two hundredth yeah. win on that one. Uh, fan question from uh from our friend Bravo Denver question. Um, I oh. guess uh I don't know anything about Denver. Um, I uh, uh Stan Kroenke's corpse, you know. Oh it's yeah, sulfur. So yeah, it's gonna be hard not to swear on that. But I mean, I guess we could uh, bleep out uh, reading off Stan Kroenke's email or, or sorry, his mailing address. Uh, good times or Dairy Queen? I guess those are frosty like treat treat things. Great question. I mean, I'm a Dairy Queen man. Mm-hmm. I, I uh, grew up <laughs> near one here in uh, St. Louis. And uh, th- we would get the it would it was like almost like a hard strawberry shell if that makes any sense mm-hmm. over the vanilla ice cream and I don't think they make that anymore and I wish they did. Uh, another one for you, um, because uh, you know these people give us money, so we gotta. Of course. We gotta <laughs> we gotta make sure they're happy, and they also know where I live. Um, when did you start collecting? Did you collect baseball cards? Oh sure, yeah, yeah. When did you I start mean, collecting top cards? I have childhood images of the the nineteen eighty six tops in my. Well, I'm I'm I was six years. I'm older. I'm I was I was six years old, and then but and this is kind of fun. My first like true year of collecting cards was the beautiful eighty seven tops with the with the wood frame. Oh, oh very nice. that's good. Do you have like a favorite from that? Well, I mean, at the time, I loved the Jack Clark. I think there's a pic- the picture of him, his helmet's off. He's, like, rounding third, and he's, like, simultaneously going back to third and towards home in the photo. Um, and, and, of course, the – the I mean, we, the word iconic is thrown around, you know, a little too much these days. It definitely jumped the shark. Now, that being said, I think jumped the shark might have also jumped the shark. But – um the 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 word uh iconic in regards to i was reading an article about roseanne the great show and they're like they're bringing back roseanne and on its set will be of course the iconic couch i'm like iconic couch all it's right a, it's a couch it's a, yeah it's a recognizable couch it's a <laughs> yeah so um but anyway um yeah now i don't remember what i was saying something about iconic yeah, the, the iconic eighty-seven tops. Oh yeah, the iconic. Yeah, if yeah. I'm now, I'm doing it myself. The iconic Bo Jackson Future Stars card. Oh, okay. it was. If you look, it Ultra. was. Like, it was art. It was beautiful. Uh, we told you we'd ask you really interpersonal and intimate questions, and we got your permission to do that. So, um, 
this is this is one of those. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, what is your go-to gas station <laughs> snack? I knew you were going to read that one. <laughs> well, when they have it, mm-hmm. those little Debbie like zebras. You know what I'm okay. talking about? Because you're a so lion. Huh? You're a, proud, you're a proud lion going after the zebra, right? Yes. I, I, I don't know what that means. I'm playing along. What do you mean? Proud lion? <laughs> well, that's a swing and a miss right there. That's a, yeah. That was a Lance Link cutter I whiffed on. <laughs> zebra cake. Uh, yeah. Zebra cake. Thank zebra you, cake. Yes. yes. I love zebra cakes, but they don't have them at every place. But when they do, even just two days ago, my wife and I uh, were at a like an office building and they had zebra cake in the, in the um, vending machine, but it wasn't two smaller zebra cakes. It was like one larger zebra cake. And I'd never it's seen that before. Good. And it was like, kind of, yeah, I don't, it was uh, awesome. It was a big moment in my eating career. Honey, we need the cake. We need the zebra cake. I was like, we can't not buy this. Man, there's no way we can get this home. It's so massive. <laughs> Honey, we need the zebra cake. It's just like I had to buy. Like it was- <laughs> <laughs> um, what are your? This one I think should be a special episode. I've been doing this. Let's see if Ben can pull this one though. What are some of your favorite non-roster invitees in cards history? My mind can only go back to Juan Gonzalez of two thousand six. So yeah, here we go, man. Let's see what esoteric poll you can make here. Well, I mean, what one that I was around for was was Jason Mott. Um, I mean, heck, it might have been like 2019 or 18. It was just like, it was, I don't know. But but the, the one I wanted to mention was Andy Van Slyke. And I just remember this as a kid. I think it might have been 96, but they brought him back to camp. And I remember Rick Hummel wrote an article about how Van Slyke was facing a pitching machine. And he hit the ball back in the pitching machine. If that makes sense. Like the the ball came came out and he hit it and it goes right in that circle where it came from and everyone's like oh my god and and the article was like Van Slyke comma who has no chance in heck of making the Cardinals <laughs> comma Jeez. still still entertained Cardinals players on Thursday with a yeah. Oh, rest oh, in peace, Rick Hummel. That's Good right. Guy. That's right up the middle, man. That's like when Albert nailed uh, Chris Young in the face. Yeah, like, dude. <laughs> oh, he took out. He took out. He took out something worth more than league minimum salary at that time. That's <laughs> what. <I did. laughs> um. Oh, let's do the Hall of Fame one because this ties into it. Someone's asking. We have a question. Do you think Jim Edmonds gets in eventually through the Veterans Committee? Yeah, and and I I was thinking about this, and, and credit Derek Gould from the Post Dispatch. I think it what was it 2016 when Edmonds was on the ballot. He's and, been on it. Yeah, and and in 2000, and Derek voted for him, and I even I was like Jim Edmonds Hall of Fame. I mean, and at the time, and and his Derek's point was like we can debate whether or not he should be in the Hall of Fame, but he deserves like a fair shot at it. And but Edmonds fell off the ballot. Well, this year I'm going through all these players and I'm reading about Andrew Jones and 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 I'm like, these two guys are so similar in so many regards. How is one gonna get maybe 75% this year, whatever it is, or yeah. next year? And the other was one and done on the on the ballot. So yeah, I would have to think that I mean Edmonds had a 900 plus career OPS. 
Multiple so like, gold gloves at a premium position. And right. he was on the Real Housewives for a spell. And yeah. that's important. And he got a text saying that uh, he only got 5% of the, or less than 5% of the. Danny, I just got a text from my son Landon. He says I'm going to have oh, to wait right. till the Veterans Committee. <laughs> I don't know though. Like I'm, I'm a father, and like I, like I talk about my kids whenever I get a chance. And like, if my kid was watching me on the broadcast, like I would love to, you know, bring him up on occasion. He's if- he's a goober, man, and like I don't. There's nothing harmful with that, yeah. you know. Like it, I, it took me a long time to like get like warmed up to Brad Thompson, mm-hmm. but after the million, like I got green seats for all the heroes out there. I'm Brad Thompson. <laughs> like eventually. <laughs> I'm like right. Brad, you're okay, man. You're cool, dude. Um, so like, okay, so or would you say you're like a traditionalist when it comes to to stats? Are you a sabermetric guy? You trying to infuse both? You're an analytics darling then. Whenever you consider like your Hall of Fame ballot, yeah. Oh, oh, Hall of Fame specifically. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. I, I mean, I try to to consume it all. Um, I mean, th- this was the fir- my first year voting for the Hall of Fame, and not that I won't take the future ones as seriously but i was like mm-hmm. all right man here we go like you know as a kid you as a kid you dreamed about voting for the hall of fame and now you literally are doing it like the same the same arguments that you and your friends might have on a bar stool like about who deserves to be in the hall of fame i actually have a say a small say but a small say in mm-hmm. who might actually go in the hall of fame like let's do That's this cool. right yeah, yeah it's totally cool but it's but it is a responsibility and um yeah, so I, I mean, I just read as many articles and, and stats as I as I could, everything from the aforementioned counting stats to the stats that I think you know tell more about a player. Um, and then you probably know, but maybe not all of your listeners know of Jay Jaffe, but he is Fangraphs. a sports writer mm-hmm. uh, for Fangraphs who has literally literally written the book on um judging whether a guy should go in the hall of fame or not called the jaws, Cooperstown yep. mm-hmm. case book and jaws is his stat he came up with a stat so um i saw trent rosencrantz a sports writer tweeted something like jay jaffe's been the bedrock of my thinking for who should be in the hall of fame and, and i can concur with that so i literally reached out to jay and and we we had some emails back and forth about some players and mm-hmm. and yeah because there there's a lot of hall of very good guys um on on this year's ballot and 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 even for me like if you had asked me what if you had asked me before i started researching is bobby abreu a hall of famer i'd be like bobby abreu was even an all-star mm-hmm. you know you look it up and he's two-time all-star and you that one home run i'm like home run derby i'm like is bobby abreu and oh hall of famer no way and then i start reading and reading and i'm like i feel like he was criminally underrated yes now it does not bother me but it does catch my attention when some smart sports writers didn't vote for him but like again like you're not going to have the same ballot as everybody um but yeah so that's an example and and um yeah, and, and and I'm looking at my list here. And it was neat for me to get to vote for Todd Helton because um, I wrote a book in Denver with with their Chip Carey, if you will, uh, named named Drew Goodman about mm-hmm. Colorado Rockies baseball history. And similar to the movie Airplane, where they say, "I've got some light reading. Here's a pamphlet on great Jewish athletes." Like you could say, like my Colorado Rockies history <laughs> book is a pamphlet. But um, Danny Nagel. Uh, Ubaldo right. Jimenez. <laughs> that's that's it. That's the book. Little, 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 little Ryan Spielberg, <laughs> and that's it. 
Pictures of the mountains. <laughs> um, so I did. I got to know Helton's story from, yeah. from writing that book, and 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 yeah, like again, we we could have, we could talk for literally an hour and four minutes just about whether Todd Helton should be in the Hall of Fame because he played at Coors Field, but it comes down to um, his career OPS on the road was just as good as Scott Rowland's career mm-hmm. OPS. And of course, Scott Rowland had 73,419 gold gloves, but, or maybe it was 418 gold, 73,418 yeah, gold gloves. All of them, I think. Yeah. yeah. But um, <laughs> my point is clearly Todd Elton was still a great hitter away from Coors Field. But Ben, and have so- you considered this when you voted for Todd Helton? That his neck is maybe a little too thick? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not jumping to any conclusions, you know. I notice, there. sir. Yeah, like you, I, I will... I'm pretty critical of Hall of Fame ballots. I think everyone should vote for ten. I do got to admit, you voted for nine. Yep, it's a yeah. pretty solid nine. I think I know why you voted for the nine. I don't see any steroid abusers that you voted for. Well, what do we call Sheffield? Sheffield, I, I haven't. I didn't find him. anything concrete on that. He was just He's kind of highly a... suspect. He was he, healed by Tim Tebow. It's well, he had like uh, I think some. Was it domestic abuse or just he was just like had some DUIs? He had some run-ins there, but yeah. like, but like you know, it, you voted for Sheffield and Jones. Those are guys who I vote for. And Jones, I would say, if we had like a a moral clause for failing, it'd be it'd be for domestic violence with that. Right. But right. no A Rod, no Man Ram, uh, no Andy Pettit. Right. Um and. I thought we had one more. No, obviously Bartolo Colonic, yeah. obviously, but like those are the two that kind of jumped out on it. So it yeah, was yeah. that like something you, you know, and obviously we bring it back because um, apparently steroids make your neck huge, and some of us on this pod think Todd Helton's neck is way too big. So you know, we yeah. just we just want to make sure we want to establish some consistent consistency here. Okay, it was did you yeah, go off really? neck or you just go off steroids? Yeah, like, I just, why, I go why, off, why not Man Ram and Alex? I, I go off whether or not Major League Baseball suspended a dude or punished a dude because they got caught. And, mm-hmm. you know, we could play the speculation game about so many guys for so many eras um, that, I mean, I, I don't feel comfortable doing that. And, um, I mean, you have a big neck. Are you on steroids? Yeah. We are. <laughs> we got our gear and then. Yeah, our yeah. steroids are called uh, KFC, um, Bush Heavy. MSG. Bush heavy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they have this new antibiotic gravy that just came out. It's... <laughs> so, like, one of our. I For the nine you voted, the Billy Wagner, great pick. Oh, I'm so you. happy you left off Jimmy Rollins. I don't know who that would upset. Uh, Chase Utley, great there. Joe Maurer, I love that. Um, and of course, Bobby Abreu, tremendous. It definitely analytic darling on this, uh, because uh, you know, guy with about twenty five hundred hits and four hundred on base percentage, and you know, eight years of hundred RBIs, hundred runs scored. So one of our listeners asked, wanted us to ask you if you had to pick a tenth, who's your tenth guy from that list? Yeah. Oh, I heck. That's tough because I did I did think a lot about Pettit and mm-hmm. you know he's I mean because it's twofold it's it's you know take any anything he had to apologize for out of the picture he, he still might just be a hall of very good pitcher and then you throw in the other stuff so 
probably probably Andy Pettit. Um, but I don't know. Like it wasn't like I was like, and I remember you told me I, I was thinking of you actually when I was voting because you were so staunch about like you got to vote for ten. Why? Why you got to? And uh, all I heard was this fat troll in the back of my on. head, <laughs> and, and I decided uh, not to do what Mark Saxon did. <laughs> which is make one that made people angry. <laughs> so I just, you know, I, but yeah, I, I suppose to answer the question, of course, uh, Pettit. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Pettit be your 10th. He's him and Burley, I think are the same guy in terms of like career art. It's just that Pettit had all that postseason starts on it. Yeah. He and also like, had he... some postseason failures though. I mean, everyone's going to, yeah. he wasn't perfect. I mean, but yeah, he, he had some great, starts but but i mean i, I think i think the cat and I, i'm not saying you're casual but like some casual people like he was a dominant postseason pitcher like no he had some big wins and some big losses era plus kind of helps with like because you know he had like a top four like cy young finish with like a over four era and 20 wins and you kind of look at that and be like well, come on like really but like era plus like well he also was in the, the most juiced era of baseball history at that yeah. time but like if you put in like a Burley or Pettit in the hall, you know, that would be I think only Jack Morris's ERA career ERA for like a guy who like, you know, wasn't dominant, let's say the Negro Leagues, and then came in and pitched like a couple like toward the tail end of the career in major league baseball. Like mm -hmm. they would have like the high some some of, if not the highest ERAs for like a wow. pitcher there. Well, I mean, Mark Burley was juicing too. That guy was you Come know. on, I don't think you could just say that. <laughs> Game seven of the World Series. He will right? not be implicated in. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just love you know because of my uh, one of my dear friends is related to Mark Burley. Oh, I think, okay, I think we might have mentioned that. To we you. mentioned, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah what about that it. cool stat about Burley that I I remember I tried to bring it up and you you carried it home. What what is it like about his innings pitched? Or? Except for the last year, last year and the first time he broke in the leagues, and every year after that, I looked that up. And there's only like a handful of pitchers that top that. And uh, the ones that not the consecutive streak. OK, there's been guys who had way more 200 like innings in a career. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like in a row, it probably went like 14, 15 straight years. It's Don Sutton. Don yeah. Sutton did it almost every single year of his career. Insane mode on that one. Yeah. And I think maybe the other guy after that was maybe um, maybe Gaylord Perry. Um. Maddox, I think, tied the tied that tied that streak, and Mike? he almost didn't get when he had like the strike shortened season. Mm -hmm. But he still hit like he still threw like two hundred two innings that year. I, I, you know, the one that that obviously Harold Baines makes everybody mad, understandably so. But like Jim Cott is like such a likable human being, but I'm yeah. so mad that he's in the Hall of Fame because, and he's even said it, he was like very seldom even the best pitcher on his own staff. Yeah, it's kind of. I mean, maybe it's a Jack Morris argument for Cott. Cott won a ton of games. He won a lo lot of Gold Gloves. Kind of defined the position there. Yeah, but like, yeah, he was just like he had what like does that mean? three or four like incredibly excellent seasons, and then he was like, yeah, I'm just all right. My favorite Cott uh, stat line was 1981, Ben, when he okay. pitched like 50, 50 innings, and he had like four strikeouts. And Oops. half the strikeouts he had, dude, half the strikeouts he had on the season came in one appearance. <laughs> really? Yeah, dude, just insane utility for it. It's either 81, maybe 82, but it's one of those. 
One of those years, insane utility. Hey, that. be That's careful. Awesome. That might be a guy the Cardinals currently go after. You know, he puts right. the ball in play. Yeah, you know? yeah he he's gets ground ball pitcher. He gets ground balls. Is what he gets. I mean, he's he, he's basically just a seasoned ver- version of Palante at that point. You know. Yeah. Like, let's rip <laughs> off. Uh, let's rip off a few so Ben can go enjoy his evening. My, my the Chiefs won, but I didn't get my parlay, so I didn't get the. $1,200. That's why I've been able to keep it together. Our dear friend Ryan, one of our co-hosts, had a question for you. What's your, like, well, because he had a question that was, what is your ideal day in St. Louis that doesn't include sports? And also, what are some of your favorite restaurants in St. Louis? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm a big cheeseburger guy. Growing up, I would go to Carl's Drive-In in Brentwood, Missouri. Okay. It's still still going. A fun little story about that is it's um I mean it's just got it's like a diner got two like what we call them like a diner with the stools. Oh, There's yeah. like twelve on one side, then they make the food in the middle, and then twelve on the other side. And they've got this burger that's amazing. And on the day of Game Six in 2011, I went there. I was living in Denver, and I came home. I'm from St. Louis, of course, to to, to visit, and I'm sitting there. I'm looking across. I'm like, is that St. Louis Cardinals closer Jason Mott here <laughs> as one of the 24 people at this small place in this small town? And, uh, you know, this is Brentwood, Missouri. And it was. And I asked Jason Mott about it when I was working on my book, 11 and 11. And he's like, dude, here's the story. That day, the woman behind the counter said, not if, but when the St. Louis Cardinals win tonight, game six. You must come back tomorrow and order the exact same food and drink in order to win the World Series. That's awesome. And, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, if we win tonight, yeah, I'll come by and have this delicious meal again. And sure enough, they did. Uh, he almost blew it himself, right, um, in the in the 10th inning. But uh, then he comes back, has the lunch the next day, and he's on the mound for the final out. Beautiful. Do you think? Oh wait, wait, wait. Other, oh, other places oh. though, real quick. Oh yeah. Max Max Local Eats. Uh, I get the burger there. Sportsman's Park, uh, one of my favorite burgers. Um, and then um, I love Balkan Treat Box. That's not burgers, but that's just great food. And ideal day in St. Louis. I mean, I mean, I I love going to to day games. Um, I mean, when I'm not working, just with my family or friends, and sitting there, and then just drinking a cold drink and, 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 but let's make sure it's only double digit temperature and not triple digit temperature. <laughs> fair. fair. Yeah. Do you think the Cardinals extend Goldschmidt? Yeah. You think I, we're I, deferring that money into next century? Yeah. till the aforementioned 3,024. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, it's just, it just, it fits everything that they've done in recent years. And um, I just think they're like, let's squeeze every every hit out of this guy because mm-hmm. he's still got some Paul Goldschmidt in him. Last three here. Okay. Um, favorite sports memory witness live? I mean, it's got to be the David Freeze triple and, and home run. Um, however, another one I'll, I'll share is, so we talked about New Orleans earlier. When mm-hmm. Hurricane Katrina hit that city, the um, the Superdome was like the the visual, yeah. Because the the roof of the Superdome was just ravaged and by the storm, and there was it was flooded and like here's this the building's called the Superdome and it was 
again, ravaged by Hurricane Katrina. So the next year, when people started moving back to New Orleans, the Saints came back. And they reopened the Superdome for this, this 2006 season. Now, the Saints had started out, it was either 2-0 and or 3-0. and But either way, they'd mm-hmm. won the first couple games. And they were the Saints. They never won their first couple of games. And it's Monday Night Football, the first game back in the Dome. And perhaps you know the story. Um, the, the hated Falcons have the ball, and they're punting. And Steve Gleason, number 37, mm-hmm. uh, with long flowing hair, almost like a cape, flies in like Superman and with the cape and blocks the punt. A teammate, Deloche, gets the ball, touchdown New Orleans. I've never heard any place louder in my life, never will. Um, the, the emotion of these New Orleanians who had returned home, returned to the Superdome, and now their beloved football team is winning in, in this fashion, on this play, to start this game. It, there was just nothing like it. That's that's one of those one-of-one moments, one of those unique moments. I mean, there'll be other walk-offs to win World Series games, but they'll never mm-hmm. do that. What is your opinion on the offseason so far? Well, I mean, they needed innings. And they got innings. And like we talked about earlier, they, they they needed at least some famous star pitcher to join the rotation, and they got a pretty good one. But it I'm, sounds like you're a little feel a little underwhelmed on that. No, 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 no. I'm just being okay. 100% sincere about the Sonny Gray thing. Like, like they, they needed. Oh, like, not Sonny. The things leading up to Sonny. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it was like, and you made a great point. You kind of said it. Like if they had just gotten one or the other of Gibson or Lane, it's like, all right, we can navigate this. But like, it's just, it's just hard to think that, you know, every day one of these guys is getting the ball and it's like, are the Cardinals primed to win this game with yeah. these guys as the starting pitchers? And, you know, I hope they prove me wrong and, you know, all my friends get to drink a bunch of beer and celebrate a world series championship. But it just seems like this team is, 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 holding on for dear life or or, or maybe like just trying to do uh, i guess holding on like to to what they had in regards to being this 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 um esteemed culture and this esteemed franchise mm-hmm. as opposed to maybe splurging taking a financial risk getting and i'm not saying Aaron Nola would have come here at all but that idea of gosh just try it, but they didn't. And well, we've got Kyle Gibson, who's a great dude. Lance Lynn, funny fella. Be nice to have these guys around, but we'll see how many how many uh, wins they get. It's yeah. kind of odd because I kind of feel like the innings pitch thing is like an archaic way of think, thinking too. Like it's good to have, but like the Rays were like bottom five, bottom six in innings pitch last year. Mm-hmm. So like if you know if you have like if you have guys that throw five innings, but they're elite five innings. But I mean, yeah. that also means you have a super bullpen in tandem with that. You well, know? I'm like, my take on it is like, are we still looking at this? Is the ownership still looking at this offseason as like a, well, you know, there's always Cardinals devil magic, right? You know, there's always a. That's why know. we brought back Matt Carpenter, baby. Yeah. yeah Remember yeah. what he did to Kershaw? Yeah. Remember <laughs> the two five for five games? <laughs> Come on, salsa. Gobble your salsa. <laughs> Put it in a trough for the hogs. Yeah, I just, I don't know. And I always used to feel like the, 
you know, the as I said, quote, devil magic. It was a lot of that was, you know, just Yachty behind the plate handling the pitching staff. You're going to maximize sure. talent yeah. with that. And, or Wilson got such a rough you know, deal all the season. Yeah, there's no comparison. The dude, the dude did well. Um, let's put him in right field. Ah, let's put him in left. Let's DH. It's his fault. No, it's not. Yeah. Just let him hit, man. Um, I said three more, two more, two more. Because I, I thought of, I, I got to work in th- something that Josh really is means a lot. Um, <laughs> what is what what TV show or movie is your guilty pleasure out there? Well, uh, may I ask you what do you mean by guilty pleasure? You know, I don't know what Richie meant by that. You know, yeah. my I'll give you an example. When I, I was like growing, the Da Vinci Code, you have to lash yourself after you, walk, yeah, you know, to cleanse your soul. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess for like me, my when I was growing up, my guilty pleasure. I loved the show Kim Possible, but I was like, guys, I watched Kim Possible last night. I would have, right, been bleed, th- beat up so bad. Yeah. And you know that. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I mean, they can I'm, be a I'm treat, a... be zebra cakes. You know? I'm, a, I'm a huge <laughs> Seinfeld guy. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm looking over here. I've, I've got the, uh, the, the, I think it's a single A team in Brooklyn. Every year they have a Seinfeld night. And I had my cousin go to the game to get me the bobblehead, which is George Costanza on top of the whale uh, holding That's the ball. Incredible. That's and, awesome. And I would sister... pay so much money for that. Yeah, it was such a great game. <laughs> We're road tripping up there. Let's. Uh, do it it's around when my, my sister for for the holidays got me um this is cool it's a um trivial pursuit card from the game mm-hmm. and it asks the question about the moors but on the back it literally has the typo it says the moops just like on that famous seinfeld episode <laughs> and it's she has it framed i don't know you know some artist made it it's it's just it's just glorious anyway so of course seinfeld's like my my go-to thing but lately my wife and i've been watching suits a lot mm, and and, suits, yeah. and i guess my now that i think about it, here's the perfect answer for this one of my favorite shows of all time is the crown and oh, okay. i i never you know my first 40 whatever years of life you know, I didn't care at all about the royal people in England. And now I'm like obsessed because of the show. It was so well made, so riveting, so fascinating, so well acted, the whole thing. I highly recommend The Crown. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I never would have thought I would have enjoyed a show like that. Now um, I talk too much about it. <laughs> I would well, say my guilty pleasure uh, is. is probably because I'm I'm like a huge nerd, so like I love watching anything that's like in the Stargate universe. Like I okay. love, I I'm just like, dude, it's just like the government. And they just like go through these portals to different to different worlds. It bro. started with the Kurt Russell film, yeah. dude. Yeah. James Spader too. Can't uh, this last question's for you, or maybe not a question, but mm-hmm. like NBA. You know, this Ooh. is the guy who broke the mellow trade. You dude. know that? I I, <laughs> I feel honored to be in your presence, Jason Tatum. Gosh. Talk to yeah. Jason Tatum. That's how we end. Give him a oh, give him yeah. Jason Tatum. First of all, Bravo hey, wanted to yeah. ask us oh, one, one, one of our uh, Patreon guys. He's an yeah. OKC fan, so yeah. you know. Mm. Is SGA a top five NBA player? Top five? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I'm saying, man. But I mean, maybe top ten, probably top ten, but like five. I mean, that's 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 
I mean, Bravo's right. Jewish. Yeah, he, like, just did, he just had Ben do Tatum, Jewish on Jewish violence, bro. Tatum is <laughs> is like my favorite player, and I'm like, he's five or six in the league. Like that's yeah, where I'm, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like I would love to put him at one, but I'm not going to homer for the guy too hard. But, yeah. Right. Someone know. said, "Oh, is it Paul Pierce?" And he's like, "Jason Tatum's the greatest American player." I mean, I guess maybe I can. <laughs> Yeah, thanks Make for making that, that distinction. Thanks, Paul. Paul. I speak yeah. the truth. Uh, right, right. Touche. But, uh... um, but Jason Tatum, what a cool story. Um, his and they've written about this a lot on the East Coast, but like, you know, his mother like raised him in a very, very um, low class, you know, not very, not much money situation, sure. and um, it was a beautiful thing. Like. You know, I think a lot of people just jump to the conclusion because his dad was best friends with Larry Hughes. You just like assume that like there's money being pumped into the family, but they 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 went through a lot of tough stuff. And his mom is obviously his best friend. We see it. We read the articles. We see it at the games. And and Jason's just like he was one of those guys that just wanted to be Kobe Bryant. And he's, I'm not saying he is, of course, but like, gosh, next tier below. I mean. I mean, he he did it. He followed he followed his path, and some of these performances, even in his rookie year in the playoffs, were just absurd. And getting yeah, thrown he into it, it with Gordon Hayward's injury, yeah, first game of the yeah. season, like you know, the dude the dude showed up and he balled, yeah, yeah, yeah. He and out. now they're twenty and one at home, I believe, this year. They had yeah. the one loss. I saw yeah. that video. My brother in law is a Nuggets fan and he was talking to me on Friday about it. Was well, he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he's the, uh, so I'm hoping to go. how are the Chiefs doing? They, they won. <sighs> and uh I saw that Kelsey's brother was there shirtless. <laughs> he's he pulled a Burt Kreischer. Yeah, no, he's he's looking he's looking like me after three bush heavies. That's what he's looking. He's looking he's looking like me at that work at that work dinner. <laughs> <laughs> um Ben, anything you want to plug? You want to tell our 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 beautiful fans? One of them is beautiful. The other, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I would just simply say, like, like we all joke about paywalls on on newspaper websites. I mean, even myself, like, how many times a day do I try to read something from the Dallas Morning News? Like, this happened like three hours ago. I'm like, God, the paywall. You're, you're expecting me to give money for this, you know? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, wait a second. Like, I'm literally buying content. I'm this. I'm, they're literally providing something that was was produced and made by them. And yes, we. So at the Post Dispatch STLZ.com, you know, we charge people to read our stuff because it's what keeps our business afloat. We're not just yeah, doing it to, sense. to, you know, we're not just doing it, you know, to, to fill up our Lamborghinis or something like, like we, we, we're all working people here. And so if you can, if you can consider getting a subscription for the post-dispatch, I'll tell you this, like the amount of Cardinals coverage that we provide is just gobsmacking. Oh, yeah. um, oh, e- even like at the winter. It's on it. Yeah. Yeah, even at the winter warm up, I mean, I think we, I mean, we had, I think Derek Gould counted like I think there was twenty eight articles or something like that, Not compared good. to like what some of these other outlets who have great writers, but it's only one guy or one girl they can only do so much. We've got five or six people reporting and writing about the Cardinals nonstop. Yeah, that's a solid plug, guys. No, thank you. Yeah, you got guys. Give them money. Just. Post-Dispatch is good. It's fun. Or just it's come good. by the house and give me money. Or come by the house. We yeah. have it. 
We'll give you money. Just give me the money, and, and I'll I'll make sure it gets to the. The office. guy from the worst fan thing said I needed to give you this twenty dollars, twenty sweaty crumpled dollars, barbecue sauce on it. Um, just text you later. Like I I don't need any more money. <laughs> right, right. Let's let's change that money thing. Folks, also buy Ben's book, 11 and 11. A hometown hero, LaRusse's last ride in red, and a miracle world series for the St. Louis Cardinals. Beautiful. Buy it. Buy it. Buy it. It's good. In 40 years, when we finally get to covering the 2011 World Series, we will, we're going to plagiarize this so bad. <laughs> you know. Other, ben, any, it, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Oh, I've, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed getting to know you guys so far. It's been, it's been fun. You're uh, a breath of fresh air and and i like your honesty and 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 uh yeah thanks for having me